This episode of the New Hampshire Business Show is sponsored by Everlasting Capital. If you're a small business and you need money and a bank won't give it to you, Everlasting Capital is here to help. In as quickly as a couple of days, you can have the funding your business needs for new equipment or anything else you can need the capital for. So submit your application today and see how they can help you out. Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today I'm going to let him introduce himself because it's fun. <laughs> Um, we have the Art of Liberty Foundation on. How's it and going? My name is Etienne de la Buissy Squared, and that is a nom de plume because I am an author. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the author of this book, uh, Understanding Our Slavery, where I am exposing what I like to call intergenerational organized crimes, control of the government and the media. And I do that from a voluntarist libertarian perspective. And so, right off the bat, I'll tell you, I don't think that government is legitimate, desirable, or necessary. Mm -hmm. And what my thesis in the book is, is that government is actually a technique that's been used to rob and control society, not to protect life, liberty, and property as is presented in the mandatory government school system. And so what I do in the book is I expose the history of how uh, the system developed and it is, the subtitle is how organized crime runs the government and the media with real solutions for, or easy solutions for real freedom. And kind of the other thesis in the book is it's the government and the media working together in a kind of control of perception program to make it seem like the system is legitimate mm -hmm. and that you owe us this money because you were born in this geographical area, but if you were born here, you'd owe these people money, but because you're born here and... And so the, so the media has now been consolidated into you know, about six, the traditional media into about kind of six different companies mm -hmm. uh, running hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to kind of give people the illusion of choice and uh, diversity of information. Yeah. But the reality is, is it's a small handful of companies operating as a cartel and they're deceiving the country into thinking that it's okay that this small group of people in Washington, D.C. gets to steal the money of everyone and make up rules for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I try to do in the book is uh, I, I try and expose the history of how it came to be and then expose the, you know, kind of the techniques that they're using. And so um, the Art of Liberty Foundation is a nonprofit that, uh, that is uh, uh, developing a public policy organization to study our politics are what are generally thought to be political issues, not as politics, but as inter, as an in intergenerational organized crime from this principled libertarian mm -hmm. perspective, where we're trying to also develop solutions that say, okay, now that we, you know, now that this 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 kind of understanding is spreading very rapidly, especially yeah. here in New Hampshire with the Free State Project and you know in, in other states as well, that hey, this is, you know, we're we're being robbed. And this is, you know, and like, what are we gonna do about it? I, I think New Hampshire, and, and the reason I moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, is because I think this can be a la laboratory for how do you roll it back? How do you privatize yeah. the legitimate non-redistributive services? And so that's what brought me to New Hampshire, and that's a little bit about like what we do. Cool, awesome. So I was, I'm gonna say this is a little different than a lot of my other interviews because it's not directly business, but there's a lot of business to be had in the government. <laughs> As I always say, the government likes to interject into business quite a bit, so it's actually good to learn a lot of the overlaps and stuff and a lot of the connecting principles. So, and it's fun for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it. Um, 
you said it a couple of times. You said intergenerational organized crime. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. And so you kind of give people an idea of what we're talking about. Sure. So, um, so uh, there, there, the so first of all, my nom de plume is Etienne de la Boissy. And okay. Etienne de la Boissy was a uh, French political philosopher that wrote in the 16th century. Okay. And he was really the first to chronicle the tools and the techniques that rulers use to create obedience and fealty in the population. And so whether it was the king, you know, providing a feast that, you know, that was paid for by the stolen taxes of the serfs, but the serfs are all long live the king, you know, they're recovering a small portion of what was stolen from them. Or, you know, he would tell the story of, um, uh, uh, different rulers that would garrison not troops but would you know do brothels and public games and distract the population away from what they were doing and very kind of similar to Machiavelli but Machiavelli was hey let me show you how you can use these techniques rulers whereas uh, Buisi was saying no this is illegitimate that they're you know they're using these kind of techniques and, and, and tricks on people and so the first part of the book it, it, so so it's it's so I guess the, the core is the core thing to understand is it's impossible to for one group of people to legitimately get to use violence on and, and on another group of people. There's no coronation, there's no election, there's no constitution that can legitimately grant someone the ability to have rights that other people don't. And so if I don't have the right to take your money and call it taxes, if I don't have the right to make up rules for you and call it laws, myself personally, for Chris Pastrana, then I can't, you know, I can't delegate rights that I do not possess myself to a representative to represent me with rights I don't have, or I can't um, uh, delegate it to a government. So if the, the government's ability to make up rules for everybody and steal everybody's money um, doesn't come from the people, yeah. then where did it come from? Yeah. And so the reality of the situation is, is that uh, the organized crime of the time, kind of in the, at the at quote unquote, the founding of the country, you know, you, you've got a couple of dozen slave owners that got together in a room and literally wrote down on a piece of fancy piece of paper, hey, we run everything, we, we get to make up rules and we get to steal the wealth of others. And then they had the media of the time in a, in a kind of coordinated media control perception operation that is extended. And I can I give example, example, example throughout the book how it's the quote-unquote government organized crime and the media working together to say, hey, it's legitimate. And so then, you know, like they, they come out and they're the, they're the wealthy landed interests of the time and they own the newspapers and they the, the newspapers go, it's legitimate. And they go, it's legitimate. I think probably for the first kind of couple of years people were like hey yeah whatever president you know like we're, you know we're probably like mocking them in the streets or some of them in the streets you know mm-hmm. like like uh, but over time and especially once they got it into the schools and they began to you know raise each successive generation to think that it's legitimate and that you know nobody ever really questions this you know this kind of founding historiography of like so you got a couple of dozen slave owners on a, a continent of three million people right yeah. well why, you know, why don't you and I write a constitution right now for everybody else that's not in the room? And yeah. so it's, it's kind of like, um, uh, but because the, what the government is doing is they're slipping it to people as a religion. Mm-hmm. And so they're using a technique called statism, 
which is the, the indoctrinated belief in the desirability, the necessity, and the legitimacy of having a government at all. And so there is no, there's no iron claw lab in the universe that says that you have to have a government. There's been civilizations that have got along fine without anything kind of resembling, you know, a government. Yeah. The free market can provide protection. It can provide arbitration. It can provide charity. It can provide mail delivery. It can build roads. It can do, you know, it can do all the things that government does without the violence, without the misallocation of resources, without drone bombing people in other countries without uh, running an actuarially impossible social security system. And so the, so the kind of the, the message of the Art of Liberty Foundation is not just that, hey, the, the government is illegitimate, but there's like a good news message in that we don't need it at all. Yeah. Like you could, the free market would deliver um, police protection but instead of it being a monopoly, you know, police officer, you may choose to contract with ADT. You may choose to contract with West Tech or like some other private security company, mm-hmm. and they'll provide you armed response, and you'll probably pay, you know, thirty-five dollars a month, and they'll probably come with an alarm service and monitoring and everything like that. Yeah. But when the police show up to help you, instead of the monopoly police that think that they have rights that other people don't. The you know the kind of the the private police would only be able to to uh, exercise rights that you have to protect your life liberty and property okay so they can because you have that right you can delegate it to a security company um, and so uh, and they wouldn't and if they were rude to you or if they battered down your door with a SWAT team for a plant or something like that then people would say hey wait a minute I'm, I don't want that I don't want my money going to that I'm going to this other company. And yeah. so the, the free market can provide all of these things. And so one of the other things that I'm working on right now is, is, uh, is another book that kind of explains how the market would deliver protection, arbitration, yeah. defense, and kind of all these other things mm-hmm. as yeah. well. So there's, there's a lot in what we just covered up there. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know I'm going to try to play what I usually hear from traditional people, statists, I guess, if you want to call them that. Yeah. <laughs> and... So we talk about the free market, and they'll always say, well, what about the roads? And yeah. You kind of covered that there are, there's always a way to, the private market would take over a lot of those areas if the government backed out of them. Yeah. Um, a good example of this is, say, the mall. So the mall in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, they have all of the same rights we do to the police and all that stuff, but they still hire private security because the police would be inadequate to actually protect its interests. Right, exactly. Correct. Exactly. So that's just an example about what you're saying. Yeah. Um, there are situations, clearly, and they happen if you actually stop and think about them, where <laughs> um, even with the government options being available, we mm-hmm. still go with a private option. Yeah. Um, and you're actually starting to see this a lot in um, some of the more socialist com- countries, mm-hmm. where like Canada... Finland, all those other places where even though they have government health insurance, the private market's picking up because <laughs> people right. are tired of it. Oh, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. kind of some examples of the government can't do it very efficiently. <laughs> because, again, so the, and, and it can't do it very efficiently because mm-hmm. it's not designed to help you. Yep. It was designed from the beginning to rob and control and enslave you. Mm-hmm. And so if you even go back to the founding of the country, I mean, right after the Constitution was passed, Washington and Hamilton, you know, marched an army of 13,000 
into uh, into Pennsylvania to put down the whiskey rebellion, mm-hmm. and they they threw the they threw the Bill of Rights right out the window. They like re- you know, searched homes without warrants. They mm-hmm. made people sign oath pledge, uh, uh, oil, um, loyalty oaths to the new government. They wrestled people out into the snow. I mean, it was like, like, um, and that was really to enforce a tax that benefited large distillers like George Washington at the expense of small distillers. And Mm -hmm. so it's, 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 it's always, government has always been used by kind of like moneyed interests to, uh, to get their way over the wishes of the rest of society. And so... Um, and it really goes back to monarchs. I mean, so the you know if you take a look at the original organized crime, that's monarchy, mm-hmm. and then they they you know used a bunch of techniques to make the population believe that it was legitimate. They wear fancy hats, they wear regalia, they use spectacle, they um, uh, they have you know oversized buildings that make you feel small and insignificant. And mm-hmm. and so once that wasn't selling, and people said, hey, we don't. Uh, believe in the divine right of kings. Yeah. You know, you're bad people and you're doing bad things, and we don't think, you know, we, we're, we're, we no longer believe in the divine right of kings. I think they got together and they said, you know, we need a new technique, and so they came up with gubernari mente. And so the root word of government is gubernari to govern or control. Mm-hmm. Mente is the mind, govern the mind, control the mind, mind control, and we'll get the people to believe that they're in charge. Mm-hmm. And that they have a say in what's going on, but because we're the wealthy, moneyed interests at the time, we can easily control the outcome of elections through disparity of campaign funds, through control of the media, because control of perception is really the kind of the main weapon yeah. that they use to make people believe it's legitimate. Um, we will use assassination, bribery. You know, we'll we'll just we'll just change the you know the vote tallies. Like we're 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 still in charge. Like you know we're not gonna have an election where we're gonna lose. You know we're mm-hmm. you know we're in it to win it kind of a thing. Yeah. And so so that model of like democracy being a kind of like people think it's like a good idea. It's a, it's a horrible idea. It's two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. It's mob rule. It it doesn't. You know, it doesn't protect life, liberty, and property. And the idea that the Constitution protects life, liberty, and property is ridiculous on its face. I mean, you know, every single one of the Bill of Rights has been violated. We're fighting no-win wars and all these hospitable locations, even though we're not even supposed to have a standing army. Like, we're you're searched at the airport, even though we're supposed to have a Fourth Amendment. You're you're made to like you know put your hands up and kind of surrender thing that where they get you know you know when you go through the airport so that so you're you're getting used to complying with a government official and having them touch you and everything and so there's no freedom like it's 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 a, it's a, it's an illusion but because the the media keeps repeating freedom 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 there's and not everybody but a large number of people believe it even though it's demonstrably not true yeah so I wanted to make a point. I just thought of it. Uh, whatever. I forgot. So, <laughs> um, oh, that was it. It was a cute little saying I had heard. Um, and it was, <clears throat> what was it? It was something on the lines of, I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, if you, if schools taught children how to walk mm-hmm. within a generation, people would believe Schools needed to teach kids how to walk. Yes. If, yes, if you, yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, so yes. there's a laying down of responsibility that I think has been happening over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my, a good question now that I'm thinking about it 
is you had said that it was the whole system was designed from the beginning mm. to be this corrupt thing. Yes. Um, do you think it was purposely designed that way, or do you think they designed it with good intentions and then just naturally it corrupted itself because that's what we do? Yeah. So I tell the story in the book of the original. So the in during the original um, constitutional convention mm-hmm. was actually a convention that was only to amend the Articles of Confederation between the states. That was the only purpose it was convened for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Founding Fathers that you yeah. know of. There was a couple like Washington was involved and, and um, uh, a couple more, but for the most part, like all like Thomas Paine and Patrick mm-hmm. Henry and uh, Gadsden and like all the kind of the, 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 the you know, the, we'll call it the Bill uh, or the uh, Declaration of Independence people were gone. And so the majority of them were lawyers and politicians that got together, you know, almost a decade later. And so they came together um, for the express purpose of amending the Articles of Confederation. And then after a, num- a large amount of delegates refused to participate, uh, Patrick Henry famously said he smelt a rat, which is why he would not participate. Um, uh, it got hijacked. They locked all the doors, bolted the windows in summer, they put sentries out, they wouldn't release the notes for 20, you know, plus years of like, you know, what what transpired in there. Mm-hmm. And they produced an un, and many of the delegates said, "Hey, we don't have the power to do this." Like if uh, like one of the quotes in the book is um, you know, we weren't sent here to do this. If the Articles of Confederation are wrong, then we need to go back to our states and be granted larger powers, not assume them ourselves. Some people, and so, uh, so like they, they were saying, hey, we're, we, I thought this was something different. Like, what's going on here? And so after almost half of them either wouldn't participate, left early, or wouldn't sign the final document. And by the way, they didn't sign as delegates. They signed just in witness whereof. Like, okay, y'all, there's this big signing thing, and we're signing, you know, uh, but we're not, we don't really have the power to do it. We're just witnessing. Like it wasn't even like an official like signing, mm-hmm. and so they took this unauthorized um, uh, replacement for the Articles of Confederation. And I, I need to give like a little background. So the reason they wanted to have a federal government is during the Revolutionary War. Yeah, uh, they had um, uh, paid both troops and suppliers with with bonds. That they had no ability to kind of repay. The, yeah. okay, the articles under the Articles of Confederation, there was no way to make good on these bonds, and so these bonds have been out there like circulating for like almost a decade, and they weren't really. Uh, and and so people were like, "There's no way I'm going to get paid," and so there was speculation in the bonds, uh, and so the so the what it looks like from you know from you know the the historians kind of lens is that Hamilton was representing, you know, financial interests that realized that, hey, we can make a killing if we can get a federal government that has the ability to tax and the ability to control, and then we'll go and we'll buy up all these bonds that we've already started buying. Like, you know, we're speculators. Well, you know, if he's willing to sell me that bond for 20 cents on a dollar, I'll, you know, like take it. And so they had accumulated some bonds. Once they got the federal government in place, they sent out riders, they sent out ships sailing up and down the coast, you know, to like, we're, we're buying bonds, we're buying, before anybody knew that there was like a federal government that was going to pay them off. Mm-hmm. And so they went out and they collected all the bonds. And then the first thing that Hamilton did as the first secretary of the treasury and the administration is pay off 
the the uh, speculators at 100% of face value. Mm-hmm. So he, they began taxing the population and funneling it to Wall Street moneyed interest to pay off these bonds almost immediately. The second thing they did is they um, paid off. So Hamilton then began paying off the debts that the individual states had acquired through the Revolutionary War. They just said, hey, we have these debts. Um, Some of them had already paid them off. Virginia had paid them off. Massachusetts hadn't. New York hadn't. Um, And so they said, um, and so then Hamilton just proceeded to give some people in these states a whole bunch of money, and Thomas Jefferson openly questioned the validity of the debts and the validity of the amounts and I've got the links to that in the book. So, so the contemporaries are going, hey, um, so if you read, like there's the, we read the Federalist Papers in, yeah. in, in high school because they won, but the anti-Federalists were using words like, this is a conspiracy, these are conspirators, this is going to be, you know, going to be tyranny, all power is going to centralize in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. is going to become corrupt. Like, they were like, we, like, they called it, they were, like you said, who was right, the Federalists or the Anti-Federalists? Well, the Federalists said that, the you know, that, oh, no, we'll be able to control the government. We've got an out-of-control government. We've got out-of-control, you know, demo- uh, uh, out-of-control bureaucracy. And so if you take a look at who was right, it was really the Anti-Federalists. They were, they, were, they, 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 knew, they called it like a Babe Ruth Homer, and said, this is the kind of corruption that is going to result from this kind of, from this government. And sure enough, that you, you know, you got it. The final thing that you need to know about the kind of the founding of the country is, and so I think this is really organized crime's number one weapon almost throughout history is really the control of perception. Mm-hmm. If I can make you believe that you're not a human being, you're just a, you're an American not a human being or you're and you because of where you were born you now owe me money and you believe in your heart oh I owe them money and that the road there wouldn't be roads if it wasn't for the government and you know and and like that's a powerful that's a powerful powerful uh, weapon to have against people and so the there there was a lot of evidence that they were controlling perception back in the ratification debates mm-hmm. by censoring mail in New York. So censoring anti-federalist leaflets from going out in the mails in New York. Uh, they appear to have bought off the stenographers in the Pennsylvania ratification debates. So he was only transcribing the speeches of federalists and were not transcribing the speeches of anti-federalists. And they took down the only paper in Pennsylvania reporting on the debate, and they weren't in a they weren't doing it in a partisan thing. They were just actually covering kind of both sides of the story. But we can't have that, and so they withdrew all the subscriptions in their kind of field of influence yeah. and collapsed a newspaper called the Pennsylvania Herald. And so, so that that weapon of hey, we'll tell the people it's a good idea, and we'll. Make sure that they never hear the dissenting voice of "No, it's bad idea." That weapon has been used on the population throughout history, and that's the media consolidation and the media monopolization and Google, and that's that really is the the weapon that they're using today. All right, cool. So I know we could probably talk about this for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump forward, like you said, to today. Sure. So a lot of things that we're talking about, we're talking about laying the groundwork for kind of what we're seeing now, yes. and it's really starting to. A lot of things I can see starting to take kind of hold already. So let's talk about that. Sure. What happened, you know, X two, three hundred years later? 
Yeah. Like, where are we now? So now, I mean, now we're, we really are in a, a kind of, I would call it a, like an openly obvious tyranny that most people really don't get because they've become acclimatized and accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, we've gone from where, oh, the government's only going to take a small fraction of your income to where it takes 50% of your income yeah. in overt taxes, covert taxes, and inflation. So if you add, like, uh, overt taxes is your 1040, but just as important as, like, the covert taxes of every time you pay your cell phone bill, every time you rent a car, every time you buy a plane ticket, every time you, you know, uh, pay your, your uh, cable TV, every time you, you know, fuel up at the pump. You know, there's all of these, like, hidden taxes that are, that are not just stealing money out of your pocket, uh, but they're... Um, there being there the money that would have been that would have gone to plant property equipment and kind of you know wise investments is being misallocated is being wasted in in no win wars so that military industrial complex companies can make you know billions or trillions of dollars kind of collectively um, you've got uh, the constitution is eviscerated like I said I mean you're searched in the airport you're made to like submit to the government you're um, uh, they're war- warrantlessly wiretapping the entire population. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, uh, and it's also the criminality is now kind of open because as much as they're controlling perception, because we still have the self-directed internet where they're not, in, you can still go reach certain sites, even though they're openly censoring on Facebook, openly censoring on YouTube, mm-hmm. openly censoring on Google, openly censoring on Pinterest. Twitter, <laughs> Pinterest, open, yeah. like, you know, like, like besides that, you can still get to individual sites. So people are still finding out about some of the corruption, but the Pentagon is missing 10 trillion plus dollars, Yeah, you know, and it's, and the postal service loses like, you know, 57, you know, billion over the past decade. Yeah. Amtrak says, my favorite example is, Amtrak claims they lost uh, almost a billion dollars on food and beverage alone over like almost a 10 year period. Yeah. And so if anybody that's ever been on the Amtrak train knows that they're taking the the hamburger at 7-Eleven that comes in the cellophane wrapper that you buy for $1.50 and they're selling it to you for $8. They're yeah. taking a soda that they buy for 75 cents and they're selling it for you know, or for, for a nickel and they're selling it for, you know, three bucks. They're yeah. taking a beer that they bought for 75 cents and they're selling to you for eight bucks. Yeah. And the train goes out and it's got $500 worth of food on it and the train comes back and like, where's the law? Like, how do you lose a bill? Like, it's obvious that the story that they're telling the population about where the, these tremendous sums are going, it's, it's BS. It's like crazy. Social security is actuarially impossible. And so, like, like they, they, they admit the trust fund is going to be emptied, and the trust fund is, and this is absolutely true, and you go, like, look it up on, on Google, the trust fund is a filing cabinet in a Social Security office in West Virginia where they have a laser printer, and they, when they borrow $500 billion from the trust fund, they just print out a bond on a laser printer, and they put it in, they've been putting it into this filing cabinet, in West Virginia, and they just put these IOUs into filing into the filing cabinet until now it's trillions of dollars of IOUs in yeah. the filing cabinet, and the um, uh, uh, it's not like a regular bond like that's you know like a corporate bond that's you know tied to a revenue stream of the corporation that the corporation is earning. When these bonds quote unquote come due, the government has the exact same option if there were no bonds at all. 
The government can either raise taxes, cut benefits, or some combination of the two. Yeah. And so there might as well, like, why are we even pretending about this fiction with the bonds, you know? But um, you can go and, like, so George Bush has actually gone, like, George Bush Jr. actually went out to West Virginia and stood next to the filing cabinet, and he's like, I didn't have any, like, I'm sounding the alarm on this. When this thing blows up, it's not my fault kind of a thing. And you can go see pictures and you can, you know, verify everything that I'm saying is true. But, like, it's that level of criminality that we're dealing with. So what do you do about it? And, and also, so as you mentioned, like, people are figuring out Facebook and Google. And so on the old, I, I mentioned in, in the book I've got media ownership charts, and I try and do a lot of visualizations in the book. But in the old school, it's, it was, you know, six kind of companies controlling the radio stations and the kind of the, the old media. On the new media side, we've got Google. And, and so in addition to the book, I've got, uh, I've got these flash drives. And the flash drives have eight gig of evidence backing up all of the claims in the book and have the full... Uh, media ownership charts and the and the and um, uh, visualizations that kind of show how the you know how the system works, but in the old media system you had you know a handful of companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries. Now you've got Google, which is I, I one of the one of the articles on the on the Liberator flash drive is how the CIA made Google and the story of Sergey Brin and the garage. That's all silliness. It, it was a DARPA. Defense Advanced Pro, uh, Research Projects Agency program called the Highland Forum that Google came out of, and, and I show you the grants that they got and everything like that. And so they knew uh, to control perception kind of from the beginning. And so on the new side, you've got uh, uh, A Mason, I mean Amazon. You have uh, Google, Twitter, Reddit, Wikipedia. Meet up, discuss. You got about a dozen companies that I believe, and I can't prove it, but I believe they've been funded with unlimited capital to consolidate their own industries, buy the competition, ensure that these are the dominant social media platforms, search platforms. So Google is, you know, we'll we'll fund everything. We'll make it so easy. We'll make it so convenient that you know you can't live without it, and then. We're, you know, we're, we're changing the results in a way that we're able to steer society. We're able to, you know, again, we're able to hide the voices that we don't want heard while mm. we're able to magnify the voices that we do have, want heard. Yeah. And so that now that is becoming crazy blatant. So in October, Facebook whacked uh, 270 people off the platform and they took down 500 plus pages, mm -hmm. including pages that had millions and millions of followers on each yeah. page. And they did it in a coordinated effort where, like, the Free Thought Project, uh, they got, they lost their Facebook page, they lost their Twitter account, and they got a strike on their YouTube account on mm -hmm. the same day. Yeah. And so this censorship is, supposedly, these are pr ostensibly private companies yeah. operating independently, but if you take a look, they're, they're doing it in a coordinated effort to silence the voices that are trying to explain this to people while they're magnifying the voices that, oh, it's legitimate that we rule you from Washington, D.C., and look at this guy's nice suit and his hair, and, like, he wouldn't lie to you. I mean, like, we're, this is all, look how, you know, everybody's in a suit. It's got to be legitimate, right? So in my day job, I help Fortune 500 companies learn at the speed of light, yeah. a productivity expert, and so how do, you, how do you widely expose it 
how do you widely expose this if most people are getting their information from the screens that they're controlling? Yeah. And so that's why I came out with a physical book, and that's why I came out with the flash drive. And so both are, are designed, number one, the book is designed to have to use historical photos, visualizations, infographics to bring people into insight much faster. Most people are visual learners. 65% of the population learn quicker if they see information mm -hmm. versus just, you know, reading something. Um, and so I'm using the visualizations to make, to expose uh, what was invisible and making it visible. So like it, the, the fact that this is six companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries, most people really don't know that. And if you told them that, they may or may not believe you, but if you actually show them a media ownership chart mm. of like News Corp, which owns Fox, and they own 175 newspapers, and they own satellite, you know, networks, yep. and they own movie pro companies and television pro. Like, and you're like, and then you see the other five right next to it, and you're like, damn, there's really it's like only this like tiny little handful of companies. So you you get a deeper insight, and you have, and you're gonna you're gonna improve your remember your your uh, recall of that information. Yeah. And also the visualizations, um, you know, more people are kind of like, once you pick up the book, it's like hard to put down. Like people are like flipping through it and they get like, you know, like, wow, it's like, you know, like, like, like they're blown, blown away. And so more people will engage with the book than would engage with a text only yeah. book. And then the final thing that I do is human beings are really good pattern recognition engines. And so you like the you know you're able to discern a pattern in nature or a pattern in um, you know stock graphs or whatever it is very very quickly because the human brain is good at recognizing patterns and so like the first part of the book I, I go through 20 different techniques used by intergenerational organized crime to create the you know the obedience and fealty to government and then I show what it looked like in Nazi Germany East Germany the Soviet Union and the U S. So that you can see, like on each technique, I explain the technique, kind of the history of the technique, give examples of its use, everything's in, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, after you go through 20 plus techniques and you realize the Nazis and the Soviets and the U.S. are all using the same techniques, people are like, hey, that's a playbook. They're running a playbook. And so uh, that's what I'm trying to do with the book. Mm -hmm. And so the Art of Liberty Foundation is a nonprofit that is designed to both kind of, you know, to continue doing ongoing research into identifying the people, organizations, and the companies that are operating together as a cartel to fleece the country and control perception. But also we have a project that we call the Pre State Project. And so I have moved, recently moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Yeah. The Free State Project is, uh, is um, uh, an effort to centralize people that understand uh, uh, the importance of liberty and freedom and um, uh, in a single geographical area where they can, you know, they can be effective. And so the pre-state project is supporting the free state project. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do instead of getting people to move to New Hampshire is we want to widely expose the role of intergenerational organized crime in the government, both in the founding of the country we want to expose the illegitimacy of government itself as a concept, the immorality of it, the illogic, you know, the uh, illogic nature of being able to delegate rights you don't have yourself, or the fact that we're all bound by a contract that none of us signed, or even our parents signed, or even our grandparents signed, that you can bind 
your children to a contract that they didn't sign. Like, like these ideas are, you know, so we're exposing the Ill illegitimacy of it. But then the goal is really to get around the censorship by distributing the book very, very in the flash drive and a, and a DVD uh, documentary of Vaxxed, which exposes that the government has been lying. They've known that the, that the, that the vaccines are, are harmful to the population very, very widely in a way that cannot be ignored, cannot be censored hand-to-hand uh, -hand, uh, to drive people to town meetings where, uh, sorry, where uh, town meetings where we would introduce them to the liberty community that is here in New Hampshire and quite, quite unique. And really that liberty advantage in New Hampshire is, I don't think most of the population realizes what an advantage it is to keep your taxes low, to keep uh, uh, rules and regulations light. And you can see the, you know, if you take a look at the, the average, average wage in New Hampshire, if you take a look at the average tax burden, the you know, cost of living, the fact that, that New Hampshire has been on the path to liberty and has been rolling back regulations and has, and, and has, has maintained this, this tight uh, 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 taxation advantage, this is an advantage for New Hampshire that they should take advantage of. And so we want to publicize that and we want to, we want to say, hey, the, you know, the rest of the country, like so, Chicago's about to go bankrupt. California's about yeah. to go bankrupt. These these country these while these are going the absolute wrong, wrong direction, New Hampshire is really one of the you know few states in the entire fifty states. It's actually going in the right direction. So we want to help that. We want to accelerate it, and we want to show people how by getting rid of government, um, we can imp we can improve uh, the prosperity of the state dramatically by reducing the taxes, the regulatory burden. Um, and uh, hopefully having a free market and money, so we're not we don't have you know the inflation of the government money. Uh, but I think New Hampshire is the ideal laboratory of liberty to test how do we roll back government, how do we expose it widely, you know, get around the censorship, but then also, uh, you know, how do we roll it back? How do we you know maybe secession? It may be just you know uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Gandhi esque civil disobedience where. The population of New Hampshire goes, look, we're not, you know, we're not paying taxes. We're not withholding taxes for our employees. We don't believe, you know, we, you're, this is a criminal operation. Where's the, you know, you, we'll pay taxes when you tell us where the Pentagon's 10 trillion are. You know, I mean, we're not going to pay taxes at all, but you get the idea. Like, um, I think that New Hampshire could be the, the real founding fathers in the sense that be the first state that puts this outdated, antiquated, provenly failure of way of organizing society. Let's throw that on the dustbin of history. Let's move forward with voluntary agreements where there is, nobody gets the ring of power. Nobody gets to use violence on anybody else. Everybody has to treat each other as equals. It's the only thing that is fair for everybody. So the Republicans want to rob everybody in society to put their rules into into uh, their you know their ideas for how to create utopia and into, into um, uh, effect. The Democrats want to rob everybody to put their you know ideas of utopia into effect. And voluntarists and libertarians are saying, hey, why don't we not rob anybody? Mm. I think the market will provide everything that we want. And, and so that's the message that we're trying to get to New Hampshire. Cool. Outstanding. So we could go on this for hours. We don't have the time. Yeah. Um, so we're going to end right there. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, final thing, plug. Yeah. Uh, 
If you want to understand our slavery, you've got to go to understandingourslavery.com where you can get the book, you can get the flash drives, and in the there is a, in one of the subpages you can find out, uh, you can get our executive summary on the Art of Liberty Foundation and the Pre-State Project. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you learned something. Um, I love questioning what we're always told, so mm-hmm. it's always good to get other opinions, and I love that. So definitely check it out. Um, always challenge your, your own thoughts, and I'll see you next time. Boom, shock like a boom.